Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our Grassroots Government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 29 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Monday, April 1st of 2019. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and we've got another jam-packed podcast lined up for you today. You know, when I started this podcast uh, almost a year ago, I had the goal of doing a 30-minute podcast. I think the first one was a little over 40 minutes, and so I decided that I was going to work really hard to cut it down to 30 minutes each week. I have never had any success at doing that. In fact, if anything, the podcast has gotten longer here lately. Uh, I just start working on the podcast every couple of weeks, and I just start cramming in all of the news and information that I've gotten over that two-week period, and and it just gets to be more and more information each time. I guess that's a good thing about a podcast. There are no time restraints, as opposed to the work that we do on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture radio network. We're very t- time constrained there. We have to keep everything within little two, three, four, five-minute segments to air on radio stations around the state. But here on the podcast, you know, we can talk as long as we want to, and uh, you can listen as long as you want to. You can turn us off at any time, but, you know... I figure it's better to have more information in the podcast and let you decide how long you want to listen. So if there's something going on, if there's news happening, uh, we're going to cover it here and we're going to give you all the information that you want to consume and hopefully you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, One thing to point out, you may notice during this podcast that my voice sounds really weak. I'll kind of cut out or, uh, you know, I'll kind of... clear my throat from time to time. I have got the most horrendous cough going on here over the last week or so, and uh, it has really taken a toll on my vocal cords. So uh, if you would just forgive me and bear with me as we get through the podcast this week, uh, and hopefully next time we'll be right back up to speed where we normally are. We've got a great one for you this week. Lots of information in the news headline segment on grassroots government. We'll check in with Dr. Carrie Castile. She is the state director for USDA Rural Development. We've never had them on the podcast before, so that'll be the first segment that we've done with her and with her agency. We'll go in the field. We'll check in with Avery Davidson. He is on a bus tour or was on a bus tour last week with a group of Louisiana cattlemen as they toured southwest Missouri, checking out the cattle industry in their state. So our in the field segment will come from Avery on that trip. We'll have our regular market analysts, Greg Fox and Dave Foster, in our market segment. Greg's got some great information on the USDA quarterly stocks report and prospective plantings report. That was the big one that came out this past Friday. Greg will dive into those numbers. And Dave's got some great information to talk about on the cattle markets as well. And we'll wrap up the podcast this week by taking a look at the ag calendar and all of the events we have coming up in Louisiana agriculture over the next couple of weeks. On this segment, we'll check in with Taylor Fry. She is with the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative, and she'll talk about a bus trip that they have coming up on the calendar that you can participate in. All of that coming up on Episode 29 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Let's get it rolling right now. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Farm News Headlines, USDA released its prospective plantings report on Friday. 
Here's how some of the Louisiana numbers came out. Overall, we're expecting corn acreage to be up 20% this year, cotton acreage up 33%. Rice and soybean acreage is expected to go down. Rice acreage down 9%, soybean acreage down 16%. Here's a closer look at some of those numbers. Louisiana corn producers intend to plant 550,000 acres, up 20% from the 460,000 planted last year. Cotton acreage expected to go up to 260,000 this year. That's 33% higher than the 195,000 planted last year. Rice acreage estimated at 400,000 acres. That's down 9% from the 440,000 acres planted last year. Now, within that decrease, we're looking at a decrease of long grain acres, 25,000, and a decrease of 15,000 in medium grain acres. Our largest row crop in Louisiana is soybeans, and we're looking at a decrease here in 2019. Soybean producers intend to plant 1.13 million acres in 2019. That's down 16% from the 1.34 million planted last year. No acreage numbers yet on sugarcane for this crop year. The first sugarcane harvested acreage estimate for 2019 will be available in June. So why are we looking at an increase in cotton acreage here in Louisiana? Well, it could be a result of producers planting less soybeans. That's according to Hank Reichley. He is CEO of Staple Cotton. He spoke at the recent Louisiana Cotton and Grain Association annual meeting in Monroe. I would say it's certainly not because of the strength of cotton prices at seventy-three fifty, but at the weakness of soybean prices. We're seeing um, no real alternative, and you know when when soybeans needs to shed a few acres, cotton picks up a little bit of them. That can be a large percentage for cotton because in total acres, it's a much smaller crop. And we're definitely seeing that in the Mississippi or in the Mid-South in terms of uh, people switching out of soybeans looking for an alternative. While we're expecting an increase in Louisiana cotton acreage, nationwide USDA says we're looking at a decrease. Their estimate on Friday was 13.8 million acres of cotton in 2019. That's 2.3% less than 2018. Some Louisiana farmers are lucky enough to get in the field and start planting. Our neighbors to the north got two more rains, so they're still wet. That's Dan Turner of Morehouse Parish. He says he's way behind compared to last year. This time last year, I was three. And that seems to be the story throughout Louisiana. Bobby Skeen is executive director of the Louisiana Cotton and Grain Association. We're roughly 400,000 acres of corn in the state of Louisiana. We could see some pickup from corn if everybody's able to get it uh, planted where they're coming off of soybeans, maybe into corn and cotton. LSU Ag Center agent Richard Letlow says activity is definitely picking up right now. And it seems like it's all coming at one time, but they seem to handle it well. And, the, and again, the sun's out and everybody is back in the field. And it looks like we're going to get it planted this year. And once those corn planters got rolling here in Louisiana, we put the corn crop in the ground in quick haste. Two weeks ago, USDA released its weekly Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report. It showed that 50% of the corn crop was in the ground in one week. Yesterday, they released another Crop Progress and Condition Report showing 87% of the corn crop is now planted. So just about all of the corn crop has gone in the ground here in the state in about a two-week window. Rice planting continues to move at a nice pace. We're at 49% planted now, that versus 25% last week, and we're ahead of the 45% five-year average. Sorghum planting moving quickly as well, 19% of that crop now in the ground and we've got about 10 percent of the state's soybean crop now in the ground as well so we're actually running ahead of pace when it comes to soybean sorghum rice and corn here in the state of louisiana that report also contained crop condition ratings for two crops that we put in the ground last fall winter wheat and sugar cane Of course, we're nearing winter wheat harvest here in just a couple of short months. Right now, we've got none of the crop rated in the excellent category. 40% of our wheat crop is rated good, 46% fair, and 14% poor to very poor. Sugarcane ratings stack up like this. 7% excellent, 39% good, 42% fair, and 12% poor to very poor. 
A bill that would allow agricultural producers to grow industrial hemp is being proposed for the upcoming legislative session. According to a release from Representative Clay Schechneider of District 81, the bill would allow farmers in the state to produce hemp. The Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry would be in charge of developing regulations for the production and sale of industrial hemp and its products. Milk labeling could also come up in the upcoming legislative session. Senator Francis Thompson has filed a bill to prohibit non-dairy products from describing themselves as milk. Thompson says the false advertising tricks some into buying the less nutritious dairy alternative, such as almond milk or soy milk. March was Women's History Month, and the American Farm Bureau Federation took the time to highlight women in agriculture, including one Louisiana woman. Michael Clements has more. The American Farm Bureau Federation's Women in Ag Spotlight is recognizing the contributions of women involved in agriculture. As part of Women's History Month, AFBF highlights Denise Emel of Louisiana, who works with the American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture. She started Fast Food Farm, a nonprofit education effort to connect children to the farm in the 1990s. I felt so strong to do this educational form to bring those students to the farm, to see it, to be a part of the action of it growing, but also to bring before them through hands-on activities the complex system of that food that we grow to bring it into a finished product. And so at the farm, we do it all there. She says women have a powerful voice when it comes to agriculture. I really think that women have a very powerful voice. Women are the mothers of these children that I am so involved with. And if these children can learn more from us women, I think you have more of that maternal instinct of getting that message out and how important it is that the consumer knows that we are doing everything that we can to best provide the most safe, affordable foods. She encourages women to connect with each other to provide a voice for agriculture. I know the younger women, it's hard. They have young children, and as they're growing up, it's getting more and more involved in their life. So if we can find that little missing link there, I think we could be more successful into involving more women. Michael Clements, Washington. A group of Louisiana cattlemen took a bus tour to southwest Missouri last week to learn more about the cattle industry in that state. Avery Davidson was on that trip, and he filed three reports for our regular broadcast on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture radio network. We're going to share all three of those reports with you, starting with this first report he filed from one of the nation's largest livestock auctions, the Joplin Regional Stockyards. Carrie, I am here at the Joplin Regional Stockyard, which is just outside of Joplin, Missouri. One of the stops for the 2019 Louisiana Farm Bureau Livestock Advisory Committee Beef Tour. And it's a very busy day. On Mondays, they can have anywhere from six to 8,000 head of cattle get sold and bought here. And they draw in cattle from all over the country, as far away as New York and the Carolinas. Now, earlier in the day, we went over to Wilmoth Ranch, which is a 5,000 acre ranch running about 1,600 head of cattle. And it as was an absolutely amazing stop with great fields. We'll have a whole lot more on this week in Louisiana agriculture. I'm Avery Davidson for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network. On the second day of the bus tour, they stopped at the Pennington Seed Company outside of Springfield, Missouri. Avery was there and filed this report. Carrie, quite an interesting start to the second day of touring for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Livestock Advisory Committee beef tour through Missouri. We stopped today at Pennington Seed Company. Now this place on about 60 acres just outside of Springfield, Missouri, runs 80 million pounds of seed, mostly fescue seed through here. A lot of this ends up at your local box stores, at your Walmarts, at your Lowe's, at your Home Depot, but a lot of this also ends up in ranchers' pastures. They buy seed from their local co-op, and it comes from Pennington Seed Company. A lot of fescue seed is what they run through here. I'm Avery Davidson for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network. Then Avery's final report was filed from the College of the Ozarks. 
Carrie, I am at the final stop for the 2019 Louisiana Farm Bureau Livestock Advisory Committee Beef Tour, and that's in Lookout, Missouri, home of the College of the Ozarks. Now, this Christian college has 1,500 students, but doesn't accept any tuition. All of those students, each and every one of them, have to work their way through college. That is how they pay their tuition by working on campus. At least 10 of them work to handle the beef herd here and see the process all the way from AI, birthing the cattle, all the way through to the processing of the cattle, which is where the group is touring right now. They're touring the processing plant. We'll have a whole lot more from this tour on This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. I'm Avery Davidson for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network. We'll hear more from Avery about that beef tour later in the podcast when he talks with Louisiana cattle producer Marty Wooldridge on our In the Field segment. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, there is a lot of optimism floating around these days for at least two crops here in Louisiana. We're looking at increased acreage for both corn and cotton. Don Molino has more on that story. LSU Ag Center Extension Service Corn Specialist Dr. Dan Frommy at the Deanley Research Station in Alexandria reports about 50% of the Louisiana corn crop is in the ground at this point. Last week, thanks to, thanks to some good dry weather, we have really gotten a lot of acres planted. The significant part of that is in Louisiana, depending on the location of the state, you know, if we can get uh, most of our corn planted prior to April 1st, we stand opportunity to have some good yields at the end of the season. Normally when we have to plant corn, as we get into April, uh, you know, based on some tests that we've done, you know, we can lose anywhere from a half a bushel to uh, to one bushel a day as we get into planting corn in April. So uh, very glad, as we all know, as we've been involved in agriculture in Louisiana, we had a wet fall and a very wet winter, and we're very fortunate to have, uh, you know, received some uh, dry weather for the last one or two weeks. With that said, with today's planters, tractors that we have, you know, another week or two with good weather, we can uh, pretty well have the corn crop planted for the 2019 crop. As far as corn acres are concerned this year, uh, I think they will be up. In 2018, we had roughly 460, 470,000 acres, and I think there will probably be less soybeans this year. At the current time, we're probably anticipating a little bit more than that uh, 460 or 470,000, possibly could be as high as 550 or 600,000 acres of corn this year. Dr. Frommie also serves as the LSU Ag Center Extension Service Cotton Specialist. He said the 2019 cotton planting season is just around the corner. Here at the end of March, we'll probably be uh, seeing some cotton planted maybe as early as the uh, middle to the latter part of April. And that's all depending on uh, on soil temperatures. Historically, most of our better yields throughout Louisiana have been planted anywhere from the, the middle of April through the middle of May. Uh, any earlier than the, the first part of April, and send some cold weather, do some damage to it. And then, of course, you get a little bit later than the uh, middle of May, just the opposite, a little hot, a little hot, hotter and drier. And then, of course, uh, insect pressure is a little heavier as well as that crop tries to mature. This year, feeling fairly optimistic as far as cotton acres concerned. Uh, estimates are has gone as high as 240,000 this year. If that holds true, that'll be that'll be the uh, the most acres that we've had in Louisiana since around the 2011 season. So there is some optimism there. Reason for the uh, the more uh, acres this year is possibly due to all the uh, the downward prices on uh, corn and soybeans. What we begin to wonder when cotton acres increase in Louisiana is, you know, where will all this cotton be ginned? We don't really have that many gins available anymore. So I know a lot of farmers would like to plant more, but uh, as far as our capacity to uh, to gin the crop, it's it's a little difficult now with uh, only about 16 or 17 gins that are left. We don't have uh, that many pickers available. Possibly be relying on a lot of more custom pickers coming in the state. We are glad that we are going to have more compared to the uh, the last several years, that is. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network podcast. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Don't forget to check out our website each and every day for the latest news and happenings in our state. It's the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture website. You can go to voiceoflaag.com. We update it every weekday with the latest news, happenings, events, everything going on in agriculture here in Louisiana. While you're there, click that big button right there on the homepage to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called the Daily Voice. 
click on the button, just fill out your name and email address, and we'll deliver that e-newsletter every weekday morning at 5 a.m. right there to your inbox. Coming up next, it's time for Grassroots Government. We'll check in with a government agency that we haven't had on the podcast before, USDA Rural Development here in Louisiana. Dr. Carrie Castile is State Director for USDA Rural Development, and we'll check in with her next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest on Grassroots Government this week is Dr. Carrie Castile. She is State Director for USDA Rural Development. How are you doing today, Carrie? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing all right. This is the first time that you've been on our podcast with us. If you would, give our listeners some background on yourself. You have been very involved in Louisiana agriculture over the last several years. Tell our listeners some of your involvement and your experience in our state's agricultural industry. Sure. So so first and foremost, it's great to, ha- to have the opportunity to speak with you and, and, uh, and the listeners. And to me, agriculture has always been something near and dear to my heart. In fact, I've worked probably 20-plus years uh, in Louisiana agriculture, and I've done some national agricultural work as well. So you may remember me um, early on. I got my career started with the Louisiana Cooperative Extension Service and doing some work there, looking at um, some of the environmental issues and environmental regulations impacting our ag producers and um, helped to uh, implement the Louisiana Master Farmer Program, which is still uh, being implemented today, in which we um, we certify our ag producers that are meeting the state conservation standards. Uh, and then after that, um, I was the associate commissioner with Commissioner Mike Strain. Did a lot of policy work there. I'm still very much involved in some of the discussions. In fact, I was able to attend Brian Bro's um, ses- session on ag labor, and uh, which is great. So I did ag labor work there. Um, also did some work on environmental policy, um, helped look at things like the Farm Bill and how it impacts our ag producers, and then, um, you know, just whatever Commissioner Strain needed me to do. So I did a lot of traveling with him, uh, met a lot of your listeners uh, at a lot of things, the, the Chicken Festival and all these other great things that I had an opportunity to visit. And then in addition to that, um, was able to work for uh, USA Rice. Did some work there um, in looking at state and federal policies, as well as the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. So I had an opportunity to work with every commissioner, secretary, and director of agriculture across the U.S. So all very, very uh, interesting and wonderful jobs. And then now uh, currently as a state director for USDA Rural Development. And so glad that my path continues to allow me to work with our, our Louisiana ag producers, our agribusinesses, and our rural communities. Well, tell us about USDA Rural Development. What does the agency do, and how does it affect Louisiana agriculture? Sure, sure. So we love to say that um, our, we can build a town from the ground, uh, and sometimes even underneath the ground. So rural development is an agency that uh, helps to um, look for opportunities in which we can build rural prosperity uh, in our communities. So we know that a lot of our small towns in our rural communities were built from agricultural production. Uh, we, we have a lot of agribusinesses there. We do things um, from uh, single-family housing and helping to provide rural housing um, to our smaller communities. 
uh, multifamily housing. And one of the programs that we have there in our multifamily housing programs are farm labor housing, in which we provide um, assistance to uh, producers and nonprofits um, to go in and provide um, farm labor housing, uh, both on farm and off farm. Um, we also have our um, business and industry guaranteed loan program. So, for example, we worked with um, the Vidalia Denim Mill there and provided $25 million uh, in financing for that facility there at uh, what was once the old Fruit of the, Fruit of the Loom factory. Um, we've also done work with um, crawfish processors. We've done work with rural energy and um, things like um, converting uh, old diesel pl- pumps over to electric. Um, so, so that's our rural business programs. And then we also do things like community facilities and helping our municipalities, if it's a town hall or if it's services like um, police, um, fire, uh, those types of things. And then most recently, we, um, we financed projects in Louisiana, about $100 million of water infrastructure projects to be able to help to assist our communities with um, some of the older water systems that aren't meeting standards. So we do a lot of great things, diverse programs, a lot of great things, but still connected to agriculture. I know that developing rural broadband is another issue that you work with very closely and with farmers having so much technology and so many technological advances at their fingertips right now, having broadband in rural areas is a very, very important issue. And you're hosting a broadband roundtable coming up next week. Tell me about that and how producers may benefit from that. And I I totally agree with what's going on and with our our producers and our agribusinesses um, relying a lot more on technology. If it's yield monitors or if it's precision agriculture or if it's things like drone technology, um, we feel the need to be able to continue to work with the ag industries, either privately or as well as with the communities to make sure that they have the connectivity in order to use those types of technologies. And so it's absolutely critical. You know, you take that a step further and you start looking at the community colleges and you look at these the schools that are located in our rural communities and relying on connectivity. Take students, for example. They're out there learning um, in these, you know, in these these rural schools and they have homework and they need connectivity in order to be able to to use uh, the technologies and the software applications that they have um, access to at school. So, you know, I can think of a number of different things, as but as we look at agricultural production, you can see the need, and it's absolutely, again, let me understate how imperative it is to make sure that when our producers are out there producing crops um, and, and harvesting, using the harvesting technologies and tools that they use to have that connectivity. So, um, so what we're looking at is, is a number of different programs. We actually have five different programs. But the, the overall goal is, is to, to finance modern broadband and telecommunications infrastructure. Um, I think of it as, as you know, back in, uh, in the day, uh, we looked at making sure that we had rural electrification and every community had access to rural electrification. And then it moved over to telecommunications. And then now broadband, I believe, is the rural utility of the day that we're looking at to make sure that we're allowing those opportunities in our rural communities. So it's really an infrastructure. It's the need for infrastructure in our rural communities via water, via roads and bridges, or um, rural broadband. So we do have five programs. Um, one is considered our Reconnect program. It provides grants, loans, and loan grant combinations um, for telecommunications service providers, co-ops, tribal entities, and municipal- municipalities to facilitate broadband deployment in the underserved rural areas. Now, let me remind you, um, this program in particular, when we talk about rural communities and what constitutes a rural community, we have different uh, population limits for, for a lot of our programs, but in particular for rural broadband, we're looking at communities of, of 20,000 or less. Um, 
Then the other program that we have, we have the Rural Broadband Access Loan and Loan Guarantee Program. And it's basically, um, it allows um, eligible um, entities to come in and construct, improve, or even acquire facilities and equipment to be able to help with the implementation of rural broadband. And then we have Community Connect, um, which is more of a community-based broadband grant that uh, provides grants that deliver broadband to rural communities that lack high-speed internet. And then um, one of my favorite ones is ones that we're looking at is our distance learning and telemedicine. I had an opportunity to work with one of our um, our rural hospitals and to see how we can um, meet patient needs through technology and things like telemedicine. And that's been a, a, a huge um, benefit um, and a program that I'd really like to see implemented across the state. And then distance learning, as you know, and being able to work for the LSU Ag Center, we did a lot of distance learning, making sure that we get information in the hands of the people that need it, including our ag producers. So again, all of these are infrastructure types of programs. Uh, we're just fortunate that we received $600 million in new monies um, to be able to implement our, our broadband programs. So it is uh, as I say, it's kind of a gee whiz kind of stuff. Um, so what we wanted to do is, is make sure that we have an opportunity to address any of the questions that our communities or our eligible entities may have. So we're having a, a rural broadband roundtable on April 9th from 10 a.m. to noon uh, at the Delta Community College there in Monroe. And uh, so uh, we know that the Delta has some real needs especially in this area of, of rural broadband. And we're glad that Chancellor Epps uh, is allowing us the opportunity to use the facility there. But, you know, the whole goal is, is to be able to present some of the programs that we discussed today, have an opportunity to answer some questions, but also learn from some of the other states, some of the models that they use, if it's Arkansas or Mississippi, and to be able to look at as model types of programs and see what we can implement here in Louisiana. Again, that's April 9th, 10 a.m. to noon, Louisiana Delta Community College, USDA Rural Development Broadband Roundtable. And, of course, uh, Dr. Castile will be there. You'll have uh, a guest as well. Yes, we're going to have uh, Mr. Bill Vogt. And we, we have um, here in Louisiana, we have a general field representative that works across states. And Bill's got 45 years of experience in telecommunications. And I tell you what, he can definitely split the atom. He is a sharp, sharp guy. And, um, and then we also have some other speakers as well. But for more information, you can go to our website. It's www.usda.gov slash broadband. And uh, there's a whole host of information there, a host of program information for you. And again, should you have any questions, you can contact us at 318-473-7921. And people can just say, look, I'm interested in the broadband program. Where can I get more information or who can I talk to? And we'll make sure that you we connect you with the right people. Louisiana State Director of USDA Rural Development, Dr. Kerry Castile. Kerry, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be on. Up next, it's time to go in the field to talk with one of you. We'll head up to Branson, Missouri, where Avery Davidson visits with Louisiana cattle producer Marty Wooldridge. That's next, In the Field, on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. 
We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field this week all the way up to southwest Missouri where Avery Davidson talks with Louisiana cattle producer Marty Wooldridge. Avery? Carrie, the In the Field segment this week is coming from Branson, Missouri. Joining me is Marty Wooldridge, the chair of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Livestock Advisory Committee. And Marty, we're just wrapping up the 2019 beef tour all through Missouri. Tell me a little bit about some of the highlights of this trip. Well, it's really been a great trip. We're uh, hearing a lot of compliments from our members that have been on it. Uh, They're a little road weary. They're well fed. And boy, I think they're probably a little educated more than they were when we left Louisiana. But, you know, we have seen a little bit of everything. the uh, Joplin Stockyards, 480,000, half a million cattle go through that place a year. Uh, we were there Monday. They were going to sell seven or 8,000 cows Monday or, or animals. Uh, we, don't, we don't see anything like that back home. Uh, we've seen a background operation with Jackie Moore that's doing 50,000 head. <clears throat> we're seeing, um, as we heard from our good friends, the Coke family yesterday, we're seeing cattle raised on the hills and the hollers where the elevation change might be 200 foot as you drive across their place. It's uh, That's pretty interesting to see. And today, a real highlight as we wrap up our trip here in Branson, the College of the Ozarks, hard work you. Children come here. They only have 1,500 students, but children come here and they work their way through college and they learn real skills. You know, the presentation today at the College of the U was by the students. They t- they talked about their their beef farm and what they're doing with their hay and how their feedlot and their packing house and, and everything they do is so hands-on with these students. This is six years that you've gone on these trips now. You've gone to Oklahoma, you've gone to Texas, you've gone to Mississippi. What, what brings you back out of the state? Why do you keep taking folks on this trip? This time about 35 cattle producers. So a lot of education coming back to the state from something like this. Well, it's all about education and looking for new ideas for these people to keep the industry viable. Our quest as Farm Bureau and us as leadership in the Farm Bureau, um, and that's one thing we're definitely seeing here in Missouri, so much progressiveness and making sure that the next generation, that there's going to be a cattle industry for the next generation. Um, You know, one of the biggest things we have to remember, though, about our state of Louisiana, the cattle leave. Unless it's a replacement heifer, let's say, that stays back to go back in those herds, our steer calves, our feeder calves, our cull cows are going to go to Texas, Oklahoma. They're headed off to feedlots. They're headed out to packing places. So, you know, it's kind of part of the whole system, and they need to see that. People need to, they've, they've heard about where their cattle go. They've heard about where some of their bulls are coming from. It, we're all part of it, state to state. We're The border of the state doesn't mean anything in the cattle industry. Well, you talked about borders not meaning much, but what is common are the people. And here in Missouri, you don't see a whole lot of row crops. You see a lot, a lot of cattle. So tell me a little bit about what it's like being a cattleman in a place that is almost strictly cattle country. Well, for some of us cattlemen, it's kind of like going to Disney, I guess. Uh, you know, it's really, it really is an amazing and exciting thing to come into a, in the southwest corner of the state of Missouri, um, I believe there's 400 to 500,000 head of cattle. That's how many is in the whole state of Louisiana. So that little corner of the state, there was one county that had 50,000, 60,000 cattle. They only had 4,000 people in the county. Um, It's great to see an area that is all about cattle. If you really are interested in cattle, come here, see how they do it. They live it, they breathe. This is how they make their living. This is what supports these communities. Uh, is the cattle is the is the cattle industry? I was speaking to uh, David Cope with uh, MSU, uh, Missouri State, and he was telling me that forty percent of the economy in Missouri, in the entire state of Missouri, comes from agriculture and specifically the cattle industry. Um, obviously, that makes it not just part of the economy, but part of the culture here. Oh, it's definitely part of the culture. Uh, you know, for some of us, when you when you pull up to a university and you see the young kids are driving flatbed one tons with uh, cubers, uh, feeders on the back of them and, and bale beds and what have you, and that's what they're going out on their dates. Yeah, you can say it's a part of the economy. I mean, part of the culture here, definitely part of the culture. And again, uh, when you see, when you travel and, and look and I mean, there's some industry, but industry here is harvesting their fescue seed off their pasture and packaging it to send it all over the country. And that 
that little bitty town, Greenfield, Missouri, 300 people were employed in that facility. And through that facility, we've got uh, ranchers that are able to cut their fescue seed and put $100 to $300 in their pocket worth of seed per acre every year. That's a big benefit. And what's neat about that is consumers see that as well when they go to the big box stores and buy the Pennington seed. And that's coming right out of that's Missouri. Right. So I've got to ask you now, what's next? Where are you going to go next? Well, there has been a lot tossed around on the bus. A lot of ideas are being tossed around about what the future of our committee and, and what we want to do. Um, I'm going to tell you that it, it most likely at this point is going to have something to do with the state of Florida. Will it be North Florida? Will it be South Florida? Will we encompass a little bit of Alabama and Georgia? We just might. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Marty Wooldridge, for joining us on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Carrie, back to you. USDA released its big prospective plantings report this past Friday, as well as a quarterly stocks report. And both of those reports had very negative effects on the markets. We'll check in with Greg Fox to get his analysis of those reports. And Dave Foster takes a look at the cattle market coming up as we look at the markets next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we check in with Greg Fox. He's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, we had two big USDA reports out this morning, the prospective plantings report and the quarterly stocks report. And if you look at the markets, it looks like the corn market took it on the chin today. USDA calling for more corn acres than we were expecting, and we ended up with double-digit losses. Yeah, the average trade guess was about 91 million acres. It came in about 92. So, you know, about a million and a half total is what the the increase was in the corn acres. So that was kind of a big jump. And then you look at the quarterly stocks for corn, and it was up about uh, about 500 million bushels. So those numbers together really took the wind out of the corn market. That's a huge stocks number for corn. That's about $2 billion over the next two years. So this year and probably into next year. So, I mean, that's, that's huge for corn. That's way more than I think they were really anticipating. You know, average trade guess for stocks was 8.3. So not quite what the corn growers wanted to see. And then, of course, you know, higher higher acres right now establishes, you know, more production on top of that. Obviously, some of that corn is not going to be planted because of the flooding, um, but corn was the big brunt of the market today. Now, the soybean acreage number actually was friendly. It came in lower than we were expected. However, the soybean market did drop. What caused that? Uh, I think corn, soybeans trading lower was just a result of corn being down double digits. Yeah, corn bean numbers, you know, 86.1. We came with the average trade guess, and we came in at 84.6. So, actually, that's good to see. We we need to see some bean acres cut back a little bit. I think that's going to help growers overall. The stocks weren't too far off. I think like 330 million uh, increase, give or take. You know, it, it was 2.6 was the average guess, and it came in at 2.7. So, I think they did a better job on getting a handle on what soybeans were as far as for stocks and what's out there. Uh, then they did the corn. When the report first hit, beans dropped a little bit, and then they came back to kind of even to down one pretty much most of the day. And right towards the end of the trading session, we saw them trade down to the nickel close and then corn down into the 17, 16 cent close. So I think beans just got piled on simply because corn was down so hard. 
Well, Greg, I want to ask you real quick about what you're hearing uh, that's going on out in the country right now with some of your customers. Um, I know that we are running full speed getting our corn crop in the ground. What's the feedback you're hearing from farmers out in Louisiana? Uh, getting a lot planted, um, getting a lot of ground worked and ready to go for beans when it's time to plant beans. I had a few folks tell me they could use a, a little bit of rain, actually. Uh, after all the land's been turned, uh, corn planted, a little bit of rice getting planted, they could use a little bit of moisture on top of some of that uh, to help get it up out of the ground. So surprising uh, after all the weather that we've seen uh, to hear that. But uh, so far, positive, you know, more than half the corn by now was in the ground. Uh, we should see a pretty good update on that Monday when, when the, that um, report comes out from USDA. The planning progress report comes out. Um, but just uh, excited they get back in the field. And, you know, pretty much everybody plans to plant just about what they planted last year for corn and beans minus some rotation areas. Um, but everybody overall was just excited to get back to work. Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks, Greg. Yes, sir. Thank you. And now to talk about the cattle markets, we check in with Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. You doing all right today, Dave? Doing fine. That sun is shining, and uh, and I am too. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, let's see if this cattle market is shining. I know that we always keep an eye on the Louisiana Livestock Auction Reports. I wanted to see what you've seen in those reports lately and how the cattle market is looking here in Louisiana. Well, you know, our markets have been have been good, uh, especially for, for our calves, our lighter weight calves, to go on uh, some kind of a grass program, uh, graze out wheat program. It's They've really been good, and the demand has been good. This week uh, has been a little bit different. When I say a little bit different, there's still good demand for our three, four, and five-way calves to go, uh, again, on a wheat deal, uh, on a uh, backgrounding deal, summer grass. A lot of these guys are gathering up our kind of cattle uh, to put them in backgrounding yards, waiting for that grass in the Flint Hills and those kinds of places to get uh, kicked off. Uh, this week, a couple of things that I noticed, um, our cow market kind of slipped back a little bit. Uh, we had cows um, that a week ago were bringing in the, the front end of our killing cows were bringing in that uh, mid-60 range, and they've dropped down into the 60 to 61 or 2 uh, this week for the front end of our killing cows. Um, I've called around to try to figure out why all of a sudden that had happened. And, and, um, some of these folks have been telling me because of all that weather that they've had up in the Midwest and the Northern States, um, a lot of these guys, uh, have lost a world of calves and, and through the, through flood, through the snow, whatever, whatever. And, uh, they're not going to carry that cow open all, all that long time. So they're, they're moving these open cows to the to the market. I, that that could be a factor. Um, I'm not real sure. And then again, this week, uh, the cattle coming out of the feedlot, steers and heifers finished coming out of the feedlot. My gosh, we're we're $3 lower than they were a week ago. And the big question I have is why? There's nothing. There's nothing that says that this should be done. Uh, the carcass weights are down. Numbers coming out of the feed the lot are, 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 are not as plentiful as they were. Uh, I have no earthly idea why in the world that um, that market would react like it did. And, and more importantly, Carrie, why in the world would, uh, would those feedlots um, be uh, allowing the packers to to buy these cattle uh, that much cheaper. We had a week ago uh, $1.29 for a lot of the cattle. This week uh, $1.26 caught most of the cattle. And, and again, um, again, I, I, I don't know why that is uh, other than uh, just a thinly tested market and four packers control 85% of the, of the killing. So uh, that may have something to do with that as well. But going back to Louisiana, uh, our, our auction markets, of course, are running lightweight cattle, meaning under 600 pounds for the bulk of them, and demand for those cattle are extremely good. And so 
we're really getting along very well this year. And let's be aware of this fact. Um, our fall calves haven't started coming to market yet. Certainly our spring born calves haven't come become will not be coming to the market during this time. So what do we have on the marketplace? We have all these ins and outs, some of this, some of that, uh, long, long type yearlings, short type yearlings. So it's kind of a mix match. And to see these prices like they are, uh, we're, uh, we're in pretty good shape. Well, Dave, let's look forward into this year. You mentioned those spring calves and fall calves uh, coming onto the market. When we look at what the cattle market may do for us this year, we actually have a fairly unique opportunity coming up here in Louisiana to get a peek into the future in the form of Superior Livestock's Gulf Coast Classic Sale. Tell me a little about that sale and how our Louisiana cattle producers can use that to see what the market may look like in the coming months. That's right, Kerry. Uh, This year, that sale is April 4th and the 5th, and it's hosted in Natchitoches, Louisiana. This is the third year that they moved the the site to... uh, to Louisiana, which is a great thing, and I uh, talked with Rayburn Smith, uh, one of the biggest uh, video reps here in Louisiana, and he said there's going to be 200 loads of uh, Louisiana cattle on the market, and, and the Louisiana calves, uh, these are calves now, mixed steers and heifers are straight loads of steers, a straight load of heifer uh, calves will sell on Friday. However, on the Thursday sale, on the 4th, uh, they will have ryegrass cattle, uh, cattle weighing in that seven and eight weights. Um, so we're we're going to have cattle at um, again ryegrass cattle coming out to the way in the seven to eight hundred pound range. We're going to have calves are going to be for current delivery, April delivery. They're also going to be delivered deliveries out front in um, June and July. Um, August and September, and so anybody that has either spring-born calves or fall-born calves, I think this would be a great barometer, a great test uh, to um, to kind of get a fix on what's happening and what's going on. What of our what are our Louisiana calves doing? And granted, these are calves now are going to be sold in load lots. Uh, so that's, that's something to, to look at as well when you're trying to price your cattle. Um, and, and these are also cattle that have had, uh, you know, most of them has got all the bells and whistles. They're, they're, some of them are weaned. Uh, they've got, uh, good genetics to them. They've got a health program. Uh, so all of these things combined, uh, gives a, a, a pretty good test of what the cattle will do. And so therefore, all these producers, no matter what they have or what they do, they can kind of get an idea where that market is. So I think, I think that after next week, after that sale, uh, they could certainly go to Superior's website because they've got the the results of the auction there. And so it 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 would be a, a good way for us in Louisiana and for Louisiana cattlemen to check to see what uh, what calves are worth uh, out in out in the later months. Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Thanks so much, Dave. You're welcome, Kerry, and you have a great day. What is going on in Louisiana agriculture? Well, let's look at the calendar and take a look. Plus, we'll have a guest coming up in the next segment, Taylor Fry with the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative. She'll talk about a bus tour that they have on the calendar right now that you can participate in. All of that coming up on the Louisiana Ag Calendar next, right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. 
On the Louisiana Ag Calendar, we have a bus tour coming up that you may be interested in participating in. It's the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative bus tour. April 23rd is when it kicks off, and they're headed up to Oklahoma. To talk more about that, here's Avery Davidson. Thanks, Carrie. Joining me now on the podcast is Taylor Fry. She is the coordinator for the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative. Taylor, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you all for having me. Tell me a little bit about what is the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative? Our main objective is to promote the use of conservation stewardship practiced on Louisiana's three million acres of grazing lands. So how do you do that? What, what are some of the events that you guys have and what is the end goal? What do you hope, uh, what do your, your members hope for? So a way that we do outreach is we host seminars and workshops and bus tours to pull people in and educate them um, at these events. Well, you also have a bus tour coming up. Tell me a little bit about that, because I've done that for a number of years now, and this one's going someplace I know of, I've been to, and it's a really interesting place. Yes. So this is our third year hosting a bus tour. We will be visiting the Noble Foundation in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and we're also going to be going to four other farms in the area that the Noble Foundation mentors and teaches them their knowledge. I know when I went to the Noble Foundation for the first time, this was back uh, on the Calf to Carcass tour with Dr. Tim Page from the LSU Ag Center. And it was just interesting to see all that they do as far as the grazing research, especially involving like love grass. Tell me a little bit about what you're hoping to see since this will be your first time. So a lot of people in Louisiana, they are interested in grass-fed, grass-finished, forage-based operations. It's a way that farmers are farming or ranching because it requires low inputs and they're able to get their money back um, if they focus on building their soil health. And so I really think that the Noble Foundation does a lot of research on that and so farmers in Louisiana can benefit greatly from going on this tour because you know that's what they're going to see. So if I want to get involved the bus tour where do I need to go to get in touch with the LGLCI? So whoever's interested can visit louisianaglci.org and they can click the registration tab read all the information they can register and pay online. Thank you so much, Taylor Fry with the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Initiative. Thank you for joining us on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thank you. Again, that bus tour, April 23rd. If you're interested in going, check out their website, louisianaglci.org. That's louisianaglci.org. Now looking at some other events coming up on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. This Thursday and Friday... That is April 4th and 5th in Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's the big Superior Livestock Gulf Coast Classic Sale. Now, you heard us talk about that earlier in the marketing segment with Dave Foster. That big sale is happening. They're going to sell over 50,000 head of cattle. Several thousand of those will be Louisiana cattle. Again, that's happening in Natchitoches this Thursday and Friday, April the 4th and 5th. Coming up on Friday, April the 5th, it's the Florida Parishes Forestry Forum. That will be held in Hammond. Then a week from Friday, April the 12th, it's the Louisiana Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Committee Livestock Show. They've held this show for the last several years. It's very popular. It's also a fundraiser for the Louisiana Ag in the Classroom Foundation and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Scholarship Foundation. Again, Friday, April 12th, it kicks off in Alexandria at the DeWitt Livestock Facility on the LSUA campus. Another event happening on Friday, April 12th, the LSU Ag Center is hosting their Wheat, Oat, and Cover Crop Field Day in Winsboro. If you'd like more information, their website is lsuagcenter.com. April the 27th, it's the Louisiana Beekeepers Field Day. That's going to be held in Monroe. Then on April the 30th, it's the Louisiana Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee State Capitol Day at the State Capitol in Baton Rouge. That is a look at some of the activities coming up in the month of April on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. And that puts the wraps on Episode 29 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. 
Remember, you can always connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at voiceoflaag.com. Like our page, we keep it updated each weekday with all the happenings going on in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you next time right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.